0: K.J. Watts has been in the fire service for over 24 years. He currently serves as the assistant fire chief for the Whitehall, Ohio Fire Department. Chief Watts is one of the original founders of the Phoenix Project, a passion project from a group of Central Ohio first responders who share a common urge to help others find their path to mental health and physical health resiliency. You're listening to First Responders Bridge, the podcast.
1: Welcome back, everybody, and before we get started here, please make sure to like and leave a review for us. We always appreciate that, so we can help keep getting in those five-star reviews, so we can keep providing you with the best content possible. K.J. Watts, welcome to the show, and we're glad you got to come talk to us today. Yeah,
2: I'm excited to be here. Thanks for the invitation.
1: So as we get started here, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got to uh, choose a career in the fire service.
2: So interestingly enough, I uh, grew up around the fire service. I'm a second-generation firefighter, so my dad, as far back as I can remember, worked every third day at the firehouse and, um, <clears throat> excuse me, um, uh, being a kid, going to the firehouse, hanging out, seeing him for dinner and, uh, so forth. So I didn't know anything other than that. Um, as I went through high school and it's the time to figure out what you want to do in life. I did not want to be a firefighter, believe it or not. I want to go do something different. Um, I fire- wanted
0: to be a police officer, right? <laughs> that was
2: definitely not in the case. <laughs> no, even worse. I wanted to be an attorney. I wanted to go, <laughs> Um, but no, I, I honestly, I wanted to go just keep playing sports. I played high school football and I loved it. And I ended up going to Heidelberg university and playing football. So got up there and tried my way and didn't work out too good. And so he came back and my dad gave me the ultimatum of here You're going to go to fire school or you're going to go live on your own somewhere else. So that's how I ended up
1: starting with it. That's awesome. Now you go into the fire service, you start doing that. At what point did you start Noticing, you know, behavioral health was an issue in the fire service because I grew up in a, a law enforcement family and I right. didn't even notice it until I got much older.
2: No, right. I remember like being a kid, my dad telling stories, and I was always interested in that. And I didn't really see the impact or know the impact of those stories um, until I got on the job myself. And I just started seeing a different side of society, um, taking the runs that I took. And it was exciting. That's why I ended up liking it and actually applying to a full time position because it made me feel like the, uh, the adrenaline the adrenaline rush like high school football so i was like this is kind of what i want to do and the next thing i see is something tragic happen and some bad stuff and i see the impact it has on some of the older guys on the department that have 20 plus years on and they're starting to retire with you know some some hatred towards the job and i just couldn't wrap my head around it and then probably i want to say it was probably year three of my employment there i started getting active in the union and when I did that, I started kind of becoming the go-to guy for people's problems and hearing a lot of stories from folks and, you know, why they're going to retire early or, you know, why they didn't want to write on the medic anymore and trying to help them get into different positions. I started noticing, hey, there's something going on here. This is really impacting people.
0: K.J., can you share with our listeners a little bit about um, a project that you're involved with called the Phoenix Project uh, and really what, what drove you to uh, – be involved in that, start that.
2: Sure. So about three years ago, when I went, I came from Lancaster Fire Department, worked there for 21 years, and then got hired as assistant chief at, at Whitehall. Um, and when I got there, we we were, you know, in the Columbus kind of metro area. You're really close to your mutual aid partners, and I knew um, by by then I had gone through my kind of change of life experience, which we can talk about here pretty soon. But and there's a pretty tight community of folks who have gone through some version of something whether it's a warrior program or the first responders bridge and knowing those folks we we have this passion to kind of give back to help others and a group of us it was about 10 of us got together i don't know december of 22 and decided that uh, we were going to put some kind of conference on to educate folks to try to put ourselves out there to break the stigma and raise a bunch of money for some great nonprofits. and it really grew some legs and took off and we had uh, I think it was May of last year we had our first symposium and close to 400 people showed up. So pretty exciting. And we're going to do it again next year. So we're looking forward to planning that now. Wow. That's, that's huge. That's
0: super cool. You just uh, kind of alluded to it, but uh, would you be comfortable telling our listeners a little bit about uh, some of your personal experiences uh, with mental health and how those experiences you think have made you a better, better leader?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think I look back at my career and I spent a good 12 to 15 years riding on the medic in uh, in Lancaster and going through all the stuff I did with the union and, you know, going, I was a fifth district vice president for the Ohio association, of professional firefighters going to all these different departments, trying to help folks. Um, not really kind of reflecting on my own trauma that not only did I have cause of the job, but also there's some formative trauma that I have also that I wasn't really thinking about as I went through. And, you know, my world kind of crashed down on me in year 2010 for various reasons. I went through a divorce and, you know, at, at the time I got six kids. And <clears throat> moving forward, I'm like, I just got to redo something about my life. So I got out of the union stuff and started focusing on promotion. So I promoted to lieutenant in 2015 and then captain right after that a year later. And right after that, assistant chief in Lancaster. And I'm like, okay, I fixed my life. I've got it figured out. And I don't know, right, right at the beginning of the pandemic, I got sick. with COVID. And um, I got a bad. It was like one of the first cases that was around in in the county I was in, in Fairfield County. I got pretty sick and was down for three weeks. And I just remember, you know, isolating me pretty much um, a lot. And I I couldn't go to work. and I couldn't connect with people. And it just kind of everything crashed down at that point in time. And a good friend of mine, Brad Shaw, who's also a fire chief at at, uh, Jefferson Township over in Blacklick, he had been through the Save-A-Warrior program, very similar background to mine. We've been friends for a long time, and he said, hey, man, I just got back from Save-A-Warrior, and it really fixed me. It really did a good job. And he's like, I really think you should look into it. So I, I submitted the application, and I think, well, I want to say, like a month or two later, I got rostered and, um, and never looked back since then. It's really it's really been a helpful thing for me.
1: That's awesome. Save-A-Warrior, Save if you have not heard of it, is a fantastic program that helps, you know, Countless military first responders, they're, they're just so awesome and nothing but good things to say about them. And, um, KJ, would you be able to describe, you know, maybe some of the signs working in the administrative side, some of the signs and symptoms of mental health issues that first responders uh, should be aware of themselves, maybe their colleagues?
2: So, I, I mean, I think obviously for me it was isolation. Um, when you begin to isolate a lot and not go to the, fr- the, the friends and hang out and uh, isolate from your family even – um, that's that's a big one. Also, some hypervigilance. You can notice some hypervigilance of making sure like everything's squared away to, a little bit too much. Um, you know, withdrawing from folks again—that's the isolation piece. Um, alcoholism. You know, abusing uh, prescription drugs is another big big sign. Um, you know, I think a lot of a lot of my training in the past is kind of looking at patterns of of employees, and a lot of times it's you know you would think that sick time use is an indicator of mental health abuse, but what I have found in the first responder realm, and a friend of mine, Dave Gerald, always says this, is first responders don't fake being sick. They fake being good, mm. right? They f- they'll they come to work being sick. They'll come to work being not right, right? Because that's their connection to doing service. It's a fact, yeah. yeah.
0: And I'm really curious. Um, so you you were in Lancaster for a long time. I was. Moved up through the ranks, and then you made that shift to Whitehall. And although I'm sure there were some uh, familiarity, how do you, uh, coming into an agency as an assistant chief, not coming up through that chain,
2: how did you uh, build trust? So I I try to operate in an air of openness, right? I try to um, equate my Experience with others, right? I, I try to wear my emotions on my sleeve, and I really take the time out to be open and listen to others. Um, I don't judge anybody at all, um, and I think more than anything, I, I'm an example through my actions. Um, if somebody comes to me with some some pretty heavy stuff that they don't want anybody to to know, I'm not going to go out there and and tell everybody. And there's not many of those folks left in the first responder world that that, that don't want to get into the drama, right and I try my hardest to stay away from the drama and protect people uh, because at the end of the day, everybody's got things they go through. And I want to make sure that we get them to the right place. And they know that there's an atmosphere of of help around them.
0: Um, Talking to a a fellow uh, chief and administrator, I'd I'd love to hear your philosophy on um, knocking down those walls of stigma and promoting health and wellness Within the first responder ranks, how do you do that? How do you do that?
2: So I was lucky at Whitehall; they already had an atmosphere of physical fitness, right? I mean, we have one of the best gyms I've ever seen in the basement of that firehouse, and it's state of the art, top notch. And we have we we really support that mechanism, give the folks time to work out, um, best of the best stuff. But I but I felt like we were lacking a little bit of the mental health help, and so like where I was able to kind of niche onto that and find ways to support folks that wanted to go to different programs, whether it was the first responders bridge, we'll we'll pay our guys overtime or we'll pay our guys to go to those things. It's unbelievable the impact that those guys have on our department when they come back after those things.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. And I, I think that support, when people know that you support them and their wellness, uh, that makes working for you attractive.
2: Absolutely. And it only takes like one or two. Yeah. You do that and you support them through it and they come back and you... You treat them as heroes that they are and then people say well i guess we're not getting judged to do that and then yeah. they line up to
1: want to do it right we've awesome. sent five folks
2: from my department through Sable warrior wow
1: that's awesome and i uh working at the retreats one of the things that we hear a lot is you know first responders or their their families say you know i have a hard time trusting the the admin right i have a hard time trusting the brass up top right so hearing I'm sure for a lot of them, uh, we talked about this a little bit on the last episode, hearing somebody say like, I, well, I want them to be open with me because we want the we want to offer resources, right? We want right. you to be able to be open about what you're going through. We're not going to, you know, we're not going to kick you off the street. We right. want to help you out. That's got to be refreshing for a lot of people hearing that. That's really cool.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it is. But I mean, it's, it's, we're not there yet for everybody. There's a lot of chiefs out there just, just don't get it. Mm-hmm. And it's sad. They got their head stuck in the sand and Ohio is extremely lucky for first responders, Uh, If you work here with all the stuff that's going on, the great stuff like first responders bridge that is just out there to help folks and the admin just has to let it go and let it happen. Right. Instead of looking at ways to get rid of people because of, you know what I mean? It's gotta be a, a huge shift in the stigma.
1: That's right. So for people that are in the admin role, Um, what role does self-care play, you know, for mitigating the effects of the job related stress? or maybe, maybe it's not even just the admin role for people on the street, right? Mm -hmm. What, what does self-care mean to you and how has that played a role?
2: Super huge. I didn't think how big it was until after I went through save a warrior and they lay out plans on self-care, right? Whether it's meditation, I I meditate daily. I've been doing it straight through for the last three years. I haven't missed a single day. And, uh. I just if I don't do it twice a day, I can feel that I haven't done it right. So, um, that's super important. That part of self care. Also, you know, it's it's almost I, I I liken when I talk to people about this, I liken it to the airplane. When you ever take a trip somewhere and you're in an airplane, and the stewardess or the stewards have the the mask that drop down. Right, you got to put it on yourself before you put it on anybody else. That's right, and that's the that's what self care is for me is making sure that you're able to uh, be able to be a husband, be able to be a a father, be able to be a good worker. And the only way to do that is take care of yourself first. And that that may mean going to get a pedicure as a man, but whatever that is, is, is important.
0: I wondered why you had your shoes kicked (laughs) off (laughs)
1: here, the flip-flops. Right. Right. (laughs) Um, real quick, I wanted to say this too. I, I thought it was interesting a second ago that you said, you know, a lot of a lot of administrators or a lot of higher ups right now they have their head in the sand right, and that's why we're so blessed to be you know with Ohio because all the initiatives, all the things that are happening here. So, what message would you have um, to those first responder leaders, you know, that that may have their head in the sand, that are like, oh, you know, mental health isn't important. That may just try and knock it down and say it's not a huge issue. What what would you have to say about that?
2: I tell them, wake up, wake the hell up. It's it's time to figure out the, what our actual most valuable resource is, and it's so so important to understand that we've got these folks for 2030 maybe even more than that years and there is a lot that happens in the first responder world in that time and you they could come in the first five years knock the knock it out of the park and then the next five years be a horrible employee but we've there are investment and we've really got to take the time to monitor them whether that's annual mental health assessments be in their lives know their families know the ups and downs be there to support them super important.
0: I've always thought that uh, in the fire service, um, as far back as as we can remember, you guys have kind of been set up. I think for better mental health than uh, in police, uh, because at the end, if you're if you're fortunate, at the end of a stressful, traumatic run, you guys, as a team, are all right. headed back to right. the station, and you have an opportunity to talk about what happened. Uh, We don't. We we jump in our cruisers and we go to the next run. Um, Do you think um, those conversations uh, lend to wellness in the fire service?
2: I do. I mean, I think like trauma needs a witness. Right. So I think it's important for uh, us to have that ability to sit with others and tell our trauma, whatever that may be. Um, but the unique thing is also it's not always safe, right? So you got to watch out. And I think it's important. Another part for administrators to think about is to make sure that you create this atmosphere where you have peer supporters, right? You have folks that have gone through the different levels of training to be able to be that buddy for that, that person to, to bear witness to his trauma, um, so, I mean, it, it, I, I can very, very well empathize with the police when they're on their own with a, in a cruiser and they don't have the team concept, but the, the firefighters definitely have always had that. Um, but it's, it's, uh, it's a, uh, it's a super important thing to have.
0: And I know you mentioned, uh, saw that mm-hmm. five of your firefighters have gone to that. Uh, I know some have come to First Responders Bridge. Have you uh, had the good fortune of seeing other programs or other techniques across the country that people are involved Yes.
2: With? I mean, I've personally been to First Responders Bridge retreats, I don't know, six, seven times now, um, Save Warrior. I've been through it myself three years ago, and I go down there and shepherd, which means assist with the program. Um, and t- to me, those are the premier um, organizations in this country that are helping people get to where they need to be. Right there, they may not be the the cure all for everybody, um, but what I like about the bridge is it's 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 a pass through to wherever you whatever works for you. You know, this is not a one stop shop or one size fits all kind of a thing. It's everybody's going to find their own healing in a different way.
1: I love it. And uh, KJ too. I wanted to talk about what what message would or advice would you have. For, you know, all the first responders and their families regarding the importance of mental health or seeking help when it's needed.
2: First off, I would say you're not alone. Right. I think what's important for what I've seen that's important is when folks come to that first night of First Responders Bridge or the first day of Save Warrior, they finally look around and realize there's other people that look like them, act like them, and are in and hurting and hurting like them, right? And mm-hmm. so I think there's a lot of power in that and I want those folks that are sitting here, sitting at home right now listening to this, thinking about what's my next step, all you gotta do is make a phone call, reach out, click a button on a website, and there's a ton of resources. And like I said, we're super blessed in Ohio to have a have a bunch of those right at our fingertips. That's right.
0: KJ, do you guys know specifics yet on your next uh uh seminar for Phoenix Project? We do. We
2: just uh, kind of solidified that last week. So April twenty sixth, twenty twenty four, is going to be the Phoenix Project Part Two. Um, same place. Um, it's on a Friday. It's the same place. The one church in Gahanna. So we have Travis Howells, who is a well known national speaker, coming in. He's going to kick off the morning really, uh, really hard and uh, kick the door open for everybody. And then we're going to have a great lunch uh, provided by the FOP and the Forster Foundation. Um, and then the afternoon is going to be First Responders Bridge. Uh, Joe Terry is going to come in and do a, a speech for us. And we're also going to have Save a Warrior representatives there to talk.
0: That's awesome. That's yeah. really cool. And how would how do people sign up for that?
2: Yeah. So our website's up and updated right now. So it's www.thephoenixproject.life. Not life.
1: Joe Terry's powerful. Yeah. I there. was just thinking that too, man. She's, yeah. She spoke at our last retreat and she is an absolute rock star.
2: Yeah, we're excited to have her.
0: That's
1: awesome. There's a little dry eye when she talks.
2: Right. 400 attendees. Yeah, and we can go to 800 if we need to, so we're ready for it. Amazing.
0: If you're listening and you want to sign up, uh, join the Phoenix Project for their uh, one-day seminar in 2024. Um, Take that first step and uh, just find out that you're not alone. There's there's a lot of uh, others out there
1: that are in the same place that you are. KJ, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us thank and you. talk about mental health, especially from you know somebody on the administrative side. That's something that's very needed, like you said. So I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you. Before we finish up, I want to do our praise of the day as usual. I love doing these, and this one is out of Fairhaven, Massachusetts, where an uh, an off-duty firefighter paramedic is being credited with saving the life of a drowning child. Firefighter Jesse Lacerda or Lacerda was in the area of a drowning child and heard the child screaming and was able to res- rescue the child out and perform CPR until um, on-duty paramedics arrived. So that is super super cool that that firefighter was able to assist in that. Yeah.
0: KJ we appreciate your guidance and uh, uh, appreciate you being
2: here with Thank us. You. Thank you very much. Thank you, you, the much. Thank really you KJ. This. Thank you.
1: We'll see you guys next time on First Responders Bridge the podcast.